Welcome to Remote Control, the Brightest TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On today's episode, we're talking about the final season of House of Cards with stars Michael Kelly and Greg Kinnear. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Daniel D'Addario, Variety's chief television critic, and I'm here with three-time Emmy nominee from House of Cards, uh, Michael Kelly. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, I want to talk a little bit off, uh, just off the top about how Doug Stamper enters the season with Frank Underwood, who's kind of been his reason for being kind of removed from the scene. Uh, was it challenging to find his motivation in a situation where he would seemingly be so despondent and adrift? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the, one of the greatest scenes that I got to play this season was lost. Like just in the beginning, it was just like, what, you know, everything that he knew his entire professional career is gone. His job, his boss, it's all gone. And to just, for him to be lost and not have that driving force, not have that thing that he always clings to or gets addicted to or you know, becomes obsessed with, for him not to have one, it was, uh, it was, it was a challenge and, and a lot of fun to play. We've gotten to know Doug so well and so gradually over the course of the show's run, learning new things about him throughout, from his struggles with addiction to his search for meaningful happiness. <laughs> Going into the start of the sixth and final season, were you still finding like new and interesting dimensions of him that you hadn't really seen before? Yeah, I think that's one of the greatest things about playing this character was that every season, um, without fail, the writers would give me something to be equally terrified and and thrilled with um, the challenge of, of doing or trying to pull off, you know? Um, they pushed me, and, <laughs> and I loved it. Like, you know, every time reading something and just being like, oh, my God, how am I going to wrap my head around this, or how could I possibly, how do I even begin to attack this, you know? Um, they did it to me every year, <laughs> and I, I loved it. I'm so grateful for it. Well, one big shift in this season is that your big scene partner now uh, is Robin Wright. Not that you hadn't worked together over the course of the show's run, but just... She's now your big counterpoint, your big rival. Uh, was it refreshing to get to work more directly with her and spend more uh, time with her? Uh, in- incredibly so. Like, you know, I have the utmost respect for that woman. I did before I started this, and obviously way more so after having met and worked with her. Not just as an actor, but as a director. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't know, but she directed more episodes than, than anyone has on, on House of Cards. Uh, she's incredible. And... The two of us, we were doing a Q&A the other day, last week, and we were trying to think, like, did we ever have a one-on-one scene prior to this season where we, where the two of us talked? And we were both like, I I can't remember. I don't think so. Not for more than a couple lines, you know? Um, and it would be after someone else had left the room. So I, I can't speak for her, but I know for me, I, I loved it, man. I mean, she is, she's just so good as an actor um, and I've been blessed with the people I've been in you know Rachel Brosnan and and and, uh, and Kevin and, and now Robin you know to get to, to to punch it out with those guys was I mean it's it's incredible as an actor it's just a great gift you know 
I want to talk a little bit just about the reason that she kind of is top-lining this season. Obviously, about a year ago, the show was kind of sent into disarray uh, by breaking news about Kevin Spacey. He was removed from the show. It was rewritten. My understanding is very quickly. Mm -hmm. Did you have moments in that kind of scramble to recast the sixth season? Were you nervous that the show might not go on? And were you happy with the scripts that were delivered for the season that ended up being made? Yes and yes. Uh, obviously, you know, there's a million emotions that go through your head when when you hear of something like this. Um, but the first thing was like, you know, after you start try to start to process this, uh, one of the first calls I made was to Robin. And I said, you know, what are we going to do? We can't not do this. And she was like, I'm already on it. And, you know, she had already started the calls. And I then followed up and, you know, talked after having talked to her, talked to, you know, some of the folks that I know at Netflix and MRC. And and then uh, it was just we all decided collectively we can't let this die. And not just for ourselves, but for for that crew who had been with us for six years. That's our second family. And the thought of those people after having been on hold for so long and then we start the season and then we go for a month or two and then it's on hiatus and then so that that's like a year those people were out of work and their family and and the thought of that was uh just unacceptable to me and robin and everyone else and so collectively we all said okay now how <laughs> how are we gonna do this but yeah i would say i i am I was blown away by what the writers were able to pull off. You know, Robin was always going to be the focal. She, it, this was her turn. That that was already in the cards. Um, you know, Francis and I were going to go into the private sector. You know, which is the shepherds. That whole world was set up. Uh, realizing that in politics, you know, it's, maybe it's not the president who has all the power. So it was sort of set up that way. Um, to begin with, uh, there was no more recasting. There was no anything. You just removed that one person from the equation. That was it. That was that's. And then we moved forward. Um, and I can't speak for any of the writing. They, you know, they they did all that, and they they impressed the hell out of me with it. I wonder. Obviously, the outcome that a sixth season was able to be made is fantastic for the crew that they weren't forced to be out of work. I wonder if there wasn't also something at play, a bit of a kind of a legacy question, because you want your show to be remembered for going out on top, going out strong. And if it had gone out because of that news, it would have been kind of an unfortunate way to end a show with a pretty sizable legacy. Yeah. And, and also, you know, the two things that I left off that were two of the, uh, two more of the factors in, in pushing forward was, uh, the fans, obviously, like you said, you know, been watching this show for five years. And Netflix, this was their first original streaming show, original content uh, streaming show. And the thought of it going out like that, that just didn't sit well with any of us, you know. Uh, and and what better time to have a woman, you know. We were deprived of it here in our country, having <laughs> a female president. And 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 for a lot of that's a lot of us that's heartbreaking, and at least we get to have one on our show. You know, that's the way I look at it. Um, yeah, there 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 was uh, there was too many reasons to keep going. It's funny talking about 
the intersection with the news because I was struck when House of Cards first came out. It was part of this wave of shows that kind of took on politics, Veep, Scandal, Homeland, and House of Cards, all of which now have either ended or are imminently ending. Did it get challenging as we went from the more placid Obama era to the rollicking (laughs) Trump era to find ways to be more interesting than CNN? Uh, Of course. I mean, look, I don't want to speak for the writers, uh, but I know as a fan of the show, you know, my wife and I, I have the episodes right now. We will wait for the second for it to drop and we'll watch it together. It's what we've always done. Um, As a fan of the show, you know, and and even doing it as an actor, when we started, you know, President Obama, <laughs> there was a you know a very calm, cool, collected. You know, whether you agree with everything he did or not, he was a great president. And um, we were the crazy show. <laughs> and now, you know, uh, we've been pushed. Um, not to say that we got any crazier to try to outdo it or that we were influenced by in any way, shape, or form by the current administration. But there is something that's pretty crazy to think that we're no longer the crazy show, you know, that you can actually look to real life and say, wow. But on the other hand, what it did was it took the whole willing suspension of disbelief and <laughs> chucked it out the window. You know, it's like no one's going to say, watch our show and be like, that couldn't happen. <laughs> no one's going to say that anymore because anything can obviously happen. It really recasts it in retrospect. I remember watching the first season and being like, oh, this is a really fun fantasy. Uh, you know, of yeah. course, none of it could ever be real. But, you know, <laughs> we've seen we've seen a lot can happen. Well, you know, you know, what's interesting, too, about that, though, is that the writers... Um, We've always had incredible political consultants on our show. Jay Carson was one of them. Just great people who have their finger on the pulse in D.C. And uh, I remember hearing Frank and Melissa a couple weeks ago. We did a and a and they said, um, you know, you with our consultants having their finger on the pulse and being in D.C. and being in that world, while as we're not a tear-from-the-headline show, you can't help but for things, even if it's just in the ethos, I think it would be, the, is that the right word? Uh, if it's in the air, you know, that you can't help but for that to somehow slip into your show. And every single year, you know, keeping in mind that we write this, or they write it, a year before you ever see it. Uh, some of it a full year, and it's thought even before that. Something happens in real life that happens on our show almost every single season, you know, so there is something about, um, about you know, not wanting to be Nostradamus anymore. <laughs> not, not wanting to predict what's the going to happen. The pressure is off, officially. <laughs> I wonder if you think Doug Stamper is a creature who could only exist in politics, or if you think his personality type exists in business, in Hollywood, sure. in other industries. 100%. Um, you know, I think one thing that, that, I, that a lot of us have said about this show from the very beginning is this. It's not about politics. It's about power. It's set in the political world, but our show is about power, and it's something everybody can identify with, whether you have it or you want it, right? It's in politics. It's in, like you said, Hollywood. It's everywhere. There are those people who just have to have it and will do anything to keep it if they do get it. So Doug Samper is just a very efficient 
fixer. You know, <laughs> I think he translates to any. I, God knows, in my world, I'd love to have a, a stamper by my side. I, I would tell him not to kill as many people, but <laughs> I would like to have that person on my side. But as someone who, he's someone who relentlessly wants to win at all costs and is always mm-hmm. on the lookout for the next big challenge. With that in mind, is it even possible for him to have a happy ending when the show wraps up? Is that what I should be worried about? Or I don't know. I mean, you know, it's funny thinking back. I don't... I'm trying to think of a time that Doug was ever happy, you know? Um, I think he thrives and lives on work. I think that's what gives him drive. Um, with that, those addiction issues that he has, becomes obsessive behavior... And he locks into something and he does it at a thousand percent. He can feel satisfied, but whether you ever see him experience happiness or joy, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that he ever had it. But do you feel as though... Let me think about how to put this. Do you, do you feel you've found humanity in him, even though yeah. he's a person who is so joyless 100 percent. i think you know um one thing that i i learned very early on when i came to new york i, I got involved with the actor studio the, the real house not the new school mm-hmm. and arthur penn took me under his wing and i remember him saying to me one of the things that sticks with me um, uh, w- the biggest thing that he said to me that stuck with me was um always bring as much of yourself to the character as you can so I tried to bring my heart and my humanity to that character. And I think it's one of the interesting things about this guy because you have this man who does these (laughs) despicable things, these unthinkable acts, and you question him all the time. But if he's grounded in this, you know, I don't think of him as a bad person. I think of him as a very complicated person who's done some terrible things. Um, But I think that's what kind of gives him the yin and yang, the... I don't even know how to put it into words, really, but those words from Arthur really, really worked for this character, I think. I want to talk a little bit about All Square, the movie that you produced and starred in mm-hmm. that is coming uh, that came out this year and played on, festi- on the festival circuit. Um, there, as in House of Cards, your character is kind of occupying... A marginal position in society, maybe maybe in the gray areas of morality and between legality and illegality. Uh, he's a bookie uh, who kind of finds himself in a very precarious position. I wonder if there's continuity for you going from that character to this one. And tell us a little bit more about the movie as well. Yeah, I, I, I guess there was, in a way. Um... Maybe it's, why, maybe it's why when I read it, I identified so strongly with the character. I don't know, subconsciously. Um, yeah, because again, you, it's not a bad person. It's a good person who's put in a really shitty situation um, and not necessarily making the best of it. You know, Doug Sanford was able to make the best of his situation where Zibs tries very hard to make the best of the situation. And, and he grows, you know, like everybody in that film, he grows an inch. You know, we... we in talking with John Himes, the director, and Tim Brady, the writer, we were like, we don't want this. There, there's a, there was a there was a way to do that story where my character and Pam Adlon's character, you know, get together at the end and raise this kid together. But we were like, no, it's it's better if everyone just kind of just moves the dial a little bit. Um, 
that project, you know, came to me. Uh, my friend Timmy wrote it, uh, and I read everything that he sends me. And he, we were filming House of Cards, and he sent me the script. And I'm not even kidding when I say I'm, I'm reading the final few sentences, like picking up the phone, dialing his number. I was like, dude, what is this? Like, this is so good. And he's like, yeah, you like it? I was like, we have to make this movie. He didn't offer me the role, by the way. <laughs> and I was like, I really want to make this movie. I want to be a part of making this movie. Um, and and let's do it. And John Himes had already read it, our other friend, who's a director, and he had said the same thing. He said, John read it, said the same thing. And, and I said, all right, cool, let's make it. I said, I really want to play the role. I sent it to my team, and my team was like, where did this come from? Who sent you this? You know. And uh, And from that day till the finished principal photography was like a year. We literally... Timmy, the writer, had half the financing. I went to uh, Yardley Smith and Ben Cornwall and said, two people I had met at one of these Netflix, Ted Sarandos, Honored Night things. <laughs> and, I, and I ran into them, and she was like, oh, my God, I'm a big fan. And Ben had come up to me, and, and, I, and they said, we want to work together one day, and they'd give me their card. And so I, I just, they had sent me a pilot, and I was like, well, I'm doing House of Cards. I can't really do a pilot. And they said, well, we'll work together one day. It was like a year and a half had passed. And I said, I have this script. I emailed him. I said, if anything, I'd love your feedback. And within two days, they said, can we get on a conference call? And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. And then that Tuesday, uh, we got on a conference call. And they're like, we want to make the movie. And I was like, great. I have half the finance. And they're like, we're good for the other half, whatever you need. And I was like, all right. Wow. And then I slipped it to Lorenzo, the sound guy on House of Cards. He was like, dude, this is awesome. He's like, if you shoot it in Baltimore, I'll do it. And I was like okay, there's Emmy award-winning sound guy. <laughs> so I just started slipping it to more and more people in House of Cards, and they are like, whatever you need, Mikey. And and I pulled a lot of the crew together. And, you know, I was able to bump a lot of people up, uh, like like Tiffany, our um, set designer. I moved her to production designer. And I just I gave everyone the credit that they obviously are more than capable of doing, having worked on House of Cards for so long. And we pulled together this incredible crew, and we shot it over the summer. John had a break, and I had a break, and... Timmy, the writer, kept doubting us, and I was like, it's going to work out, man. It's going to work <laughs> out. And he's like, ah, this is not going to work out. And it did. And we shot it in 18 days, and uh, and it, it looks incredible. And I'm so proud of that film. So proud of it. I wonder, thinking about a post-House of Cards future and hearing you talk about all of the connections that you made through House of Cards, mm-hmm. I wonder if you're thinking right now about jumping into TV. We've seen a lot of actors from iconic shows start new series afterwards. Uh, and yeah. I wonder if that's something you think about. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing um, Jack Ryan right now, the second season of Jack Ryan. I have an, an absolute blast doing that. John Krasinski is one of the greatest people I've ever met, period. Um, but the next thing, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. Uh, the one thing I can gratefully say about my career is that I've always, whether it was a script or a director or a fellow actor, there's always something that draws me to a project that I find interesting, a character, whatever it might be. Something, and it's different for everything. Um, I feel incredibly blessed to have worked with the people I've worked with, some of the most amazing people in the business. Um, there are other things I want to do, but I think for television, what I'd like to do next is... Um, I had a really good time producing this film, and I was going to direct House of Cards this season, but when they went from 13 down to 8 episodes, I lost my slot, understandably so, um, first-timer. But um, mm-hmm. getting to know the crew the way I did, uh, falling in love with the crew on House of Cards the way I did, uh, them being family, I think 
moving forward, if I do do another television show, I would love to produce on it. I would like to have a say in who I'm surrounded by uh, on a daily basis. It's not to say that I have to. I'm just saying if I had my pick, you know, I'm calling Gary J, our A camera operator from season one all the way through, and I'm calling Lorenzo, our sound guy, and hair and makeup, and like all these different people. And if they're available, I would love to bring them to be a part of the family. They are some of the best at what they do. Um, that being said, I'm, I'm open to whatever, you know, but that is something in the future I, I would like to. I like producing, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> So just to wrap up and go a little bit big picture, we've talked about how House of Cards was kind of the first iconic streaming show and how it kind of habituated all of us to streaming. We've talked about how it predicted the future or seemed to several times (laughs) over. When you're thinking about, if you do, how this show will be thought of when the history book is written, uh, what is the legacy of House of Cards? What has it meant to the world? And what has it meant to you? Uh, I, I think to the world, unfortunately, it's meant a little too much. And, and, I, and I mean that in that, you know, I've heard Vladimir Putin tell his people, you should watch this because this is American politics. I think that goes too far. Um, on the other hand, when I can travel the world or go to Times Square or wherever I go to work in the world, there is someone saying, Oh my God! I, you know, I love you on House of Cards. I know House of Cards. You and I'm like, you see House of Cards? They're like China. It's so big. You know, however they get it, uh, they're in China. But, and I don't care how they get it. You know, it gets out there. Netflix is putting content out to the world, um, and that's incredible. When you think about House of Cards, it was only six years ago that that, and they were the first original content streaming show, and all that that inspired. Not just for us actors, but for producers and directors and and for the audience. You know, all this amazing content. You can't keep up anymore. That's incredible. And 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 to think that you were part of that revolution, you know, is... Uh, I feel really grateful. And what it's meant for me personally is... I mean, grateful can't even begin to describe it, you know. It's changed my life in so many ways. Um every job that I've done in every off season has been a direct result. You know, I've been able to get sneak something in in the six months between every season and I think you can say the last five seasons it was directly or indirectly a result of the work that I've done on House of Cards and that to me uh, it's, I don't even know how to describe it other than just I'm so grateful because, you know, a director's like oh, I I'm doing this project and I, you know, I'm such a huge fan of House of Cards and I was thinking of you when I was writing this or I was thinking of you when I was putting together this cast, like, wow, that's <laughs> just, you know, uh, from from being the guy who was, who was struggling for seven years in New York City and was 30 before I made a living and, and pounding the pavement, you know, doing the work to see my dream come true is, you know. And something yeah. really nihilistic and dark can pay real <laughs> dividends, it turns out, too. Totally. Um, all right. Mr. Kelly, Michael Kelly, uh, three-time Emmy nominee from House of Cards, thank you so much for coming into Variety. Thanks so much for having me. So that was what Michael Kelly had to say about what we could expect from the end of Cards. Up next, we'll hear from Greg Kinnear, who joined the cast this season. 
Hi, I'm Daniel Holloway, senior TV reporter for Variety, and we are here with Greg Kinnear to talk about uh, House of Cards. Greg, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So, what made you the show's uh, the show's final season is uh, is about to premiere? What made you want to take on uh, this role at this time? Well, I think there was something instantly intriguing about it being the final season. In a way, I mean, clearly, it's a you know, it's an, sort of an iconic show. I still remember when the first uh, the first one dropped, and and uh, like everybody was was kind of amazed that what they had done, you know, not only with, uh, uh, with, with the writing and, and incredible performances, but the, just the, the sense of the show. It had a tone right out of the gate, I think, that David Fincher had created that was so memorable and, and really elevated the game. I mean, you know, they, you know that, that is the first one that kind of took the streaming idea and made it, you know, what it is today, I think. So uh, it wasn't a, you know, well, for me, I felt like it was an exciting opportunity to work with, you know, obviously within, within a great show um, and with, with great actors. And, and Diane Lane was going to be my sister. <laughs> that had me too. <laughs> um, you and Diane Lane, as you said, you play brother and sister. Can you describe the characters? Yeah. Uh, we are Bill and Annette Shepard, and they are sort of that that quiet bastion of Washington power who haven't really been voted into office. They don't really have a mandate, but they got a lot of money and they have connections and and they are um, you know doing doing what those people do. They're trying to push an agenda and it's their own agenda and they have a good cop, bad cop, I think, relationship, it's safe to say. It turns out that my sister, Annette, has a history with Claire. Um, and within that history come secrets. And and um so there's a there's a lot that unfolds, but it was uh it was it was great fun. There's been some uh uh, some, I guess you could make speculation or, or not really speculation, but uh, th- a few comparisons online to the Koch brothers, mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, yeah. it, does that hold water to you? Is that fair? I, you know, Frank and Melissa uh, are writers who took on quite a job with, uh, given the circumstances of everything that happened. Uh, that was the first name they had mentioned to us. I, I, they use them as an example just and I think they threw out a few other examples too. So uh, it was a good guidepost of just, yeah, hey, wait, <laughs> I don't really know those people. Who are those people? How are how are they manipulating and and uh, um, and and playing such a clearly strong role in in Washington politics, and uh, and how stealth they were, you know, how stealth they are, you know. I think the uh, the publicity element of of a of the shepherds and, and is not what drives them. There's ego there because their name is on buildings and <laughs> everything. Um, but it's, it's, a but in terms of their own drive, it, it's that kind of quiet power that, that can't be seen that in some way has a more sinister sense to it, which is perfect for that show. Right. What, um, uh, the Cokes, obviously, you know, everybody knows what their politics are. House of Cards has always walked this sort of line where um, partisanship is not really um, 
a driving force of the narrative that's being told. You know, it's more about the political machinations. Um, How well do you think, especially given the insane political times that we're living in right now? um, You don't say. Yeah, a little bit. It's been in the news. Um, Yeah, I mean, how how reflective of the way that things are now is 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 the show? Do you think? I I don't know. I mean, I think that. It's very, you know, listen, I, I, I don't think that given the circumstances of what Frank and Melissa were given here, I mean, you talk about a house of cards. I mean, th- this situation all was very fluid. It happened very quickly. They were faced with great obstacles and pressure to deliver something, you know, w- with a clock. Um, although I have to say Netflix was was quite awesome through the process because they did take care of the crew through a period of time where everybody was in standby mode. Um, and I thought that was pretty, pretty noble. But, uh, but I think first and foremost, the job was creatively, you know, get that show out there. It, it, of course, I mean, it is a reflection in a way of, you always feel like it is in its worst possible way, by the way. I mean, it, it, it feels um, dark and foreboding and, and that, that hasn't changed, you know, but in terms of, specifics of what's happening story-wise this season and what's happening in Washington. I I will say, you know, I I think the, just the power, you know, and not that, um, that the agenda was, you know, to, I think necessarily create, you know, these powerful female characters, but they exist. Um, Not necessarily virtuous, (laughs) but they exist. And, you know, seeing, Robin in that role and just own that role is is really cool and seeing with you know I think the first day on the set I was you know standing between between Diane and Robin basically uh, you know jousting over our early introduction and uh, you know it was great great fun to watch and you know feels uh, it feels like it's a touchstone for something even though I guess, you know, it, 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 politically, if you were to look at what happened in the last election, you know, the, the, that didn't pan out. But, you, you know, she certainly wears the role well. Mm-hmm. Um, the circumstances you were talking about, I mean, obviously, Kevin Spacey was removed from the show yeah. after some uh, sexual misconduct allegations. Um, you and Diane Lane were cast well after that. And, you know, the showrunners had had to tear up some scripts that were already written and I think essentially create these roles, right? No. Okay. They were already existing. We, we were, yeah, form. we were in, uh, you know, Maryland actually starting with the, the show for a few days, just, you know, camera tests, mm-hmm. a couple of scenes. Diane had, had a scene, I believe with Kevin. Uh, I, I had just, uh, I'd done a couple of things, not with him. Um, but he was around, it was kind of, you know, it was up and going. Yeah. And and then uh, I, I was shooting a movie in uh, Memphis, actually. I went back to Memphis and, and uh, you know, just got a text from Diane saying, you know, are you are we doing this show? Uh, which I thought was code for I've been fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but as it turns out, um, obviously the, the Google sphere blew up. And, of course, the story, you know very quickly unfolded on for all of us. So, uh, so it all happened very front loaded right after a couple of days of shooting. And then it, uh, and then it was a complete shutdown and a stop until things could be figured out. Mm-hmm. How, what were, um, 
in that sort of interim period, you know, what were your what were your conversations with the showrunners like? Conversations with Netflix and the producers. Um, I think the general sense was we're trying to figure this out for the best possible you know result of the show and for the you know people who who like the show who are fans of it. I think the general sense was everybody felt like. They had they deserved a final season, and that that we were on the one yard line, and and how could all of this uh, you know come to the end? The end of the day, if you look at the end, of, obviously of season five, I mean it was very fortuitous that you know Claire has of course ascended to the White House. So in terms of the you know organic structure of how it was set up, they were fortunate in that, um, and I think I think that that you know plays out really nicely to, to keep a fluidity into the final season that, that doesn't feel like a strange appendage has been, you know, pushed into this thing. Um, but the conversations were, you know, maybe we will, maybe we won't. I mean, nobody was like, we got this all figured out. Nobody was like, this is happening. It, it just took a little time. And, and, um, and then with, you know, I, I don't remember, I think it was after the new year, it started to become clear that, that uh, we were going to do it. Yeah. Once, uh, once you got that word that it was going to happen, I mean, what, uh, what was your reaction? And what reaction did you see you know, among the crew, for whom a lot of them, this was a job that had been going on for many years? Yeah. I, uh, for me, I thought, great. I felt like this sh- it was exactly playing out as it should. Um, a little, listen, it, it, it would be, uh, disingenuous to say, listen, Kevin's not going to be there. That is a sizable change for the program. So I, I, I part of it was like, well, what's this going to be like creatively? And how is this sort of, you know, loss of this, that character going to affect, you know, the show, you know, in, in terms of, I don't know, story. Um, he left a lot of real estate and they went to work, you know, finding ways uh, to still tell, I think, a really vital, great s- story in this season, but without him. So so that was a surprise that just developed script after script. And it was different than what was originally the deal because you, you know, in most of these types of shows, particularly a good show like this, they've written it all out. It's all there for you to see. And in the case of what happened, it was a little bit playing, you know, not catch up. Um, you know, they, they were very, very good at, at keeping ahead. I never felt like the pressure of, oh, <laughs> what's going to happen here? But there was a little bit of that a couple of times that would be a natural, but wasn't the case. Um, so there was another half of your question. Oh, how the, how the crew responded. They were... Great. I mean, there was an elephant in the room, at least I thought, and I showed up kind of, I'm the new guy, Diane's the new girl, and we're kind of saying, well, what's this going to be like? And uh, no, they 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 got right back on the horse, and I felt like everybody was, um, I, I don't know, what. I didn't work enough previously to kind of know what the environment was like, but I can say unequivocally that it was an incredible crew, an incredible in creative environment, and everybody was, uh, you know, anxious to to get cracking on it. And I, I I didn't feel any of the sort of, you know, misgivings about what I I think what my expectation was um, 
you know, of, of there being some sort of awkward residual effect of it. I didn't sense it. As you said, you and Diane came in together. So what was it like to work with her? Well, I, I have met her and met her socially over the years. We hadn't worked together. So that was, uh, no, it was great. It was wonderful. She's a, she's a tremendous uh, actress. And, um, and I just was giddy over it. I thought it would be fantastic. I liked the idea of, uh, of us together. Yes, I thought we should have been married instead of brother and sister, of course. But, uh, <laughs> but they give you what they give you. Um, <laughs> but she, uh, she was so great, though. I mean, she really, I mean, she hadn't done a lot of, you know, um, she hadn't done a lot of this kind of work, you know, in, in a series television. And by the way, I hadn't either. So, you know, I think we, we uh, just didn't, you know, you you love company in a situation like that. I, I think we, we it was nice to have each other there. But I think she really brought a great dimension to Annette that's, you know, she has this smile and wonderful warmth that she cannot avoid. But the fact that she is doing, carving out the sort of real estate that she is for her character through a smile makes it even more... Um, bleak it's just very uh it's very off-putting and really effective but but uh, it was great fun to work with her what do you think it would have done to the the story and to the dynamic that you guys have that you guys' characters have and that you guys' characters have with claire if you had been if it had been a husband and wife which yeah. in some ways might feel more natural yeah um yeah i i, I I don't know. I mean, in a way, I I think this makes it more interesting just in the uh, familial, you know, uh, element because, you know, they're not only managing their agenda politically within Washington, they do have to manage a, that family thing. And it's not your wife. It's, it, you know, it's your sister who's like your uncle who's like your cousin you know and managing family comes with some difficulty and so there there is uh, that element is brought into the story as well so while their left hand is wanting to just effectively wreak havoc on Claire the right hand is also trying to manage the whole family thing and and that dynamic which has some complexity to it um what was it like to work with Robin? She's great. Um, really wonderful and, and smart. Um, I, I thought she did a, you know, she, I, as I said, couldn't say it enough. I thought she really did a, a terrific job, really owned the role and, uh, you know, does delivers completely on what I think she delivers. I, I, I don't know, you know, what people's expectations for that, that is, but she just, is so strong in, in, in the role and so effective. And, and she also is, you know, as a producer on this thing, I think it's a lot of credit for the circumstances that it happened. Um, you know, somebody had to keep the train on the tracks. There's an actor there very easily who says, well, we did this for five years. That's, that's probably enough. Let's wrap this thing up. And I thought it was, um, I'm sure, I don't know, I wasn't behind the scenes, but I, I'm sure she played a big role in effectively, you know, helping that 
exists. So we have a woman delivering an incredible performance. We have her producing and keeping the train on the tracks, and then we have her directing the final episode. So it was a uh, quite a hat trick. What was that like, having her direct the final episode? You know, I, she was... I, all I can say is she was obviously seemed great and very comfortable at it. I, it's as if she'd done it before, <laughs> um, which she had. So, you know, there was no people weren't the crew. Nobody was like, "Oh, Robbins, you know, this is really something." She'd done it before. She was really good at it, and and uh, and she was quite clear headed about what she was looking for in the scene, and it was uh, it, you know it was fine. She was all good. You mentioned before neither you nor Diane had done. I mean, I know you'd done some serious television, but not a lot. Neither yeah. did she. And obviously, when this show started, it was still pretty novel to see actors of that caliber um, coming in and doing serious TV. Um, how much has that changed in recent years? Just the TV and its position in the business. Well, I mean, a, a lot. Obviously, it's it's you know you can look at. Uh, a, a script or a show and, and and really think this this could be something formidable and i i don't know that you could have done that 10 10 years ago yeah there was cable there were certain pockets of cable that had you know kind of blown the doors off of uh things like the sopranos and stuff like that but not i don't feel like there was a, a lot of it and and i do feel like you're seeing a lot more just from the rush of talent into these areas, uh, you know, it, it really is, you know, the flowers are, are finally popping up. And, and by the way, just because it's streaming, my feeling is doesn't make it good. Uh, that's a little memo to everybody. I think we got to all acknowledge that just because it's streaming, it can suck. Yeah. You know, and I, and I do feel like, you know, it, it, we've we've kind of already kind of maybe we've come through that period where at first you would watch it and it would you would binge all 11 episodes of whatever till your eyes are popping out of your head. And you were like, that was so amazing. But then a little time goes by and people start to stop and say, well, no, actually, that wasn't so amazing. And it cost me 11 hours of my life. So I, I do think that. um you know, maybe a little bit of the sheen has worn off of that. Um, you know, listen, the same thing happened in cable, if you think about it. You know, cable television came in and then you had, you know, the Sopranos and Larry Sanders and some extraordinary television being made. And and then the dream was, oh, it's all going to be here. Where every, every cable show will be great. But then with time, no, not necessarily. So what does that all mean? It just means that at the end of the day, nothing changes. It, it all goes back to... You know the, that that really extraordinary, you know, difficult work of of starting something, of creating something new, and starting something that has a, you know, that has a pulse in it that can survive not only an episode but a season and beyond. And and that's you know that's just really I think really really hard to do. It seems like there's been some pushback lately against the idea that, you know, peak TV is great and all of these shows are super amazing and that's some acknowledgement that maybe some of it is a little mediocre, as mm. I think you were kind of getting at. Um, as an actor, do you feel like you're seeing a lot of projects that just aren't quite up to snuff getting in front of you? 
No, I, I, I don't. I mean, I feel like I feel like the it's the same as it's ever been. I mean, I feel like, uh, it, you know, there's good and bad stuff out there and you're trying to suss out <laughs> what's good and what's bad. I mean, you can't, you know, you can't, uh, um, I, you know, that 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 is a ongoing game. And and I feel like at the end of the day, you uh, you just have to clear your head of whatever the auspices are or whatever it's connected to and just say, hey, how is this? You know, how's this going to be? I mean, you know, the, you know, House of Cards is an exception for me because it you know, was such an iconic show. And obviously, given the circumstances, you know, I didn't have any questions about this. This was about, hey, let's all go to the best we can and try and, you know, move forward. But, you know, looking at new stuff, yeah, you I mean, you, you try to keep an eye on how you think it can be, you know, no different than any other time. Um, I think you touched on this a little bit earlier, but, uh, you know, House of Cards basically was the, the um, uh, it created that binge model of programming. And so for that show to be ending and for you to be a part of that ending, I mean, what's the significance of that to you? Oh, just cool. I mean, it was really, uh, I, I, I don't know. You know, it wasn't a, a planned event or anything in my uh, my life, but I I would say that it's uh, it you know just kind of one of those strange show business uh, turns that that is uh, is cool. I mean, I, I was happy to be a, uh, to be involved in it. I do um, think it deserves a strong tip of the hat that show after all those years and to, and 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 to be in it was was kind of great in the sense that it, it is so specific in terms of its tone and in terms of these characters and the lighting and all of it and it is a little like crawling into a tv set and looking around and being with all these these people it, it, it is a uh, slightly heightened reality when when uh, when we were doing it so uh, that was great great to be a part of greg thank you very much thank you Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll be back next time with another great episode. We'll be talking with the CW stars Katie Lotz and Candace Patton about their website, She Authority. And if you like the show, I'd appreciate it if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Let us know, too, who you want to hear from. What stars and producers should we invite on the show? Email us at podcasts at variety.com. See you next time. Bye.